Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, so welcome back to the Bowling Point, folks. Greg Hemmings, good to have you hey, in Dave. the booth. Um, and today we have a fabulous guest coming from sunny Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan is sunny, and the, and the skies are much different out there than the ones we have on the East Coast. Yeah, particularly lately. Actually, you know, there's been a funny joke uh, Rick Mercer had about... Uh, he talked about the, the map being, have you heard this? No. The, the changing the map um, because of all this crazy snow we've been having, right? This crazy, yeah, yeah. crazy snow of having, it go, you know, the map, the Canadian map goes Ontario, Quebec, snowbank. Love it. <laughs> Which is it's, what it's, it is. It's true. They, like all the way from BC over, they've been plowing all the snow. I know, <laughs> I know. And I don't know. Well, anyway, so I got Curtis on, Curtis Kleisinger. He's the, he's an, a longtime friend. Uh, he and I went to a, a private school called Notre Dame, uh, the College of Notre Dame in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Which um, means you're both professional hockey players. Well, Curtis would be more so than me, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um, so he's listening, and uh, and I'm not going to throw him under the bus with all these great stories because he would would he'd throw me right back under the bus. So we'll <laughs> stay away from any any kind of Notre Dame stories or nicknames, Curtis, or anything like that. And uh, and and cutlets. But, cu- oh yeah, well there's cutlets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See now you're now why are you throwing me under the bus? Right? I don't know because it's fun. Okay, so Curtis <laughs> is the executive director of the Mother Teresa Middle School, and I had mentioned it on a previous interview uh, that we had done, and you actually I was doing it with you. I was talking to you about um, your experience in India, and you were talking about walking away from an experience and thinking, "Geez, how am I making contributions and stuff?" And I referenced my experience. Um, walking through touring Curtis's school, I've done it twice, once with the kids in, and it was mind-blowing. So, Curtis, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, It's been not too bad a winter here out here in Saskatchewan. It's been fairly mild, which will take any time. Yes, and no wind. Yeah, no, lots of wind, but just <laughs> <laughs> the temperatures have been okay. Um, I always like to start these podcasts by asking Dave uh, to make sure there's no wind in the podcast booth as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, and but we have we have coffee, we got water, we're all set, and we're gonna hunker down. And I would love Curtis if you could um, give Greg a little back and the listeners a little backstory on um, how the Mother Teresa Middle School came into an exi- it came into an existence. It's a pretty cool story that includes Mother sure. Teresa. So um, sure. take it away, and then and then we got a million questions after uh, after that. Sure. Um, you know, the, the whole concept for the school started uh, a number of years ago when uh, a local businessman here in in Regina uh, was in India with a group of CEOs, and they had an opportunity to have an audience with Mother Teresa. And uh, at the end of hearing her speak, they were all kind of, you know, so moved that they went up to her and kind of asked her, said, you know, how can we help you, you know, in your mission? And meaning kind of that they were, you know, willing to make, you know, open the checkbooks and make kind of a financial contribution. And Mother Teresa's uh, message to them was quite simple. She said, I don't want your money. If you want to truly do something to, to truly help me, go back to your home communities, identify a need and give of your time and your resources to, to uh, address that need. And uh, the Hill family is 
over the years has been very um, linked into education and providing opportunities to uh, an underserved population in the area of education. And uh, in Saskatchewan here with, uh, with our uh, First Nations population and our Aboriginal students, you know, only graduating on time from high school at a, a rate of, you know, 33%, uh, they knew that that was one thing that they needed to address. So um, over the years, there was uh, a, a different uh, kind of programs that emerged. One Life Makes a Difference was one foundation that provided opportunities for kids in high school. And uh, a number of years uh, ago, they started that and, and has been, you know, doing great things to help underprivileged kids, you know, have some opportunities at the high school level. Uh, a, a few years back, uh, Paul came across a, a, a network of schools uh, uh, in the United States, in, in uh, San Diego is where he saw the first one. And uh, they have taken a, 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 an 80% dropout rate in a marginalized population and flipped it over to an 80% graduation rate um, on time from high school. And uh, and with that, kind of the wheel started, started, started to turn. So um, Paul and Carol Hill, and with the generous support of uh, Mo Bunn and Michelle Carr, who are also... Uh, prominent in the business community here in Regina, uh, sought to take this model and bring it to Canada. So we're the only uh, nativity modeled school in Canada. There's 60 schools that kind of use a similar model in the States. And uh, it focuses on breaking the cycle of poverty amongst uh, inner city kids. So kids who come from, uh, you know, impoverished backgrounds and, and through, through the, you know, social or economic means don't have the opportunities maybe that that some of the other kids would have so we opened in september of uh september of 2011 and we currently have uh kids in grade six seven and eight so we're just a middle school but our model is a little different in that we follow the students till the time they're employed so we have a graduate support director who follows them all the way through school and on to post-secondary and helps provide some you know problem solving supports uh, along the way. So uh, the whole model, uh, the, the nativity model originated in inner city New York in 1972. So they have, you know, a number of years of serving kids in, the, in, a, in a marginalized population and improving the educational outcomes of, of this demographic uh, for some time. So we're learning lots from them and, uh, and we uh, think that we're making, making some good progress in this area. You, well, and so for just for the listeners, like when you're talking about a marginalized uh, population, um, you know, maybe it would be helpful just to get a, give the listeners a perspective of kind of what what the economy li- and, and you know is like in Saskatchewan right now, and and the, and how this marginalized population is faring, you know, in in yeah. in, uh, in contrast, I guess. Well, the economy right now in Saskatchewan is is quite good and has been quite good compared to the rest of the the country for the last couple of years. Uh, recently, with a downturn in oil prices and stuff, we're starting to to feel a little bit of a of a pinch here in the province because we we you know have a resource based economy and, and oil is a, a big part of it. Uh, but with that, you know, we have um, in Regina a number of years ago, a McLean's Magazine article. Uh, was written about North Central Regina being the worst um, area of Canada, the worst socioeconomic area of Canada. Uh, the the city itself is is you know seems to be thriving, but within our inner city, uh, we have a, a, a transient population, a large uh, Aboriginal population, um, and that comes in and tends to move in and off the reserves quite frequently. And with the economy getting better. And based on supply and demand, I mean, the living situations, the housing situations, uh, that demographic of, of 
people in our city hasn't benefited from the prosperity, so to speak. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of our kids who live in, you know, really third world conditions inside our our city, and uh, and you know, don't have access to, you know, heat in their house or or, or good living conditions and and things like that, just based on you know social economic barriers that are placed on their families. So, uh, although things are going on in the province with extreme prosperity also comes uh, extreme poverty at times. So that's what we're seeing and we've been seeing for a number of years. Outside the foundation that's uh, that, that's uh, set the school up uh, and uh, who is quite possibly uh, funding it, is there any other uh, models here where the local business community is, is helping uh, finance projects like the one you're working in that is actually making uh, a real strong positive impact in the, in the community? Or is it just this family that's, that's keeping this going with tuition? And I'm always curious about the funding model behind these amazing initiatives that really are doing uh, the work that in previous days we expected our, our governments to do. Uh, you know, so yeah, just tell us a little bit about the model behind how, uh, how the schools. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So we do, um, we, we are an independent school in the eyes of, of the government. Um, and we do get some funding from the government. Uh, the same as, you know, if, uh, if there was an independent school that popped up, uh, they would get uh, a certain percentage of the per student equivalency from the government. So we don't get a hundred percent of the flow through of funds, but we do get a little bit. Um, our cost to educate is significantly higher. Uh, we have uh, we have an extended day program, an extended year program, uh, and we you know provide a lot of the effective side. The um, we transport from anywhere. We provide school clothing. We provide breakfast, lunch, two snacks a day. Uh, so our cost to educate uh, are significantly higher. So the money we get from the government only is is not even a third of our of our overall budget. So we do go out and we do. Um, try to find support from the business community. And it's interesting because I think the business community gets what we're doing. Uh, you know, we, we know that there's a return on investment, uh, you know, and, and the, the amount of money invested, uh, like just for the fact that we have a mentorship program. Uh, we know that the, the rate of return on a mentorship program is one to 23. So for every dollar you invest, there's a $23 rate of return to the economy just on having one of our students matched up with a mentor in the community that'll be a tr- second wave of trusted caring adults for them to to rely on. So, um, you know, if you look at the cost of, of operating a school like this and, uh, you know, it, the fact that the end result is you're going to deal with kids that are graduating from school, going to be employed, going to be paying taxes, um, probably aren't incarcerated, probably not on social assistance, probably um, healthier and not as big a burden on the on the healthcare system. When you present that to the business community, the business community kind of kind of really gets it, and they get that you know, especially in our economy, that we need we need these young people as engineers and and uh, you know a workforce in the in the, the the economy if it's to continue to thrive down the road. So our business community has has really kind of um, you know rallied around and and uh, you know does contribute uh, you know significant. We constantly are trying to find. Uh, funding and we, you know, we we have a commitment from a from a, our our founding sponsors, but it's still not enough to meet the needs as to what we need to operate on a yearly basis. So we do fundraise, we do uh, we do uh, canvas business support, and it's been growing each year as we as we can go and start showing product and start showing you know the impact that our you know the school is having on our kids and and the results that the kids are are achieving. 
it's been it's been easier to 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 bring other people in but um it's it's an interesting funding model in that it's you know there really isn't a big revenue stream that we that we you know constantly have we have to keep kind of finding money to you know in, in improve programming and to create new programming at the school as our as our challenges arise you know, well you know talking about getting it right and and greg yeah. I'm telling you, and and Curtis, you would have seen this. I mean, I can't even countless times, but people really get it. My in my mind, anyhow, when you visit it, and when you see yeah. it, and when you experience yeah. it. Like, would that be yeah. would that be fair, Curtis? I th- I think so. I, I once I can get you in the doors, I think you get it, and I can explain it to people. But once you come in, you'll see what it is we do. Um, our kids. I mean, we think differently. I mean, we're still, for the most part, the educational system. Is still educating kids for the industrial revolution, and and it's not meeting the needs of our kids. So we focus on the strengths of our kids, and and we operate from a, fr- a strength based perspective. Um, you know, our kids have been told a lot of times what they're not good at. We want to focus on what they are good at and what they what they love to do. And if I can let you keep you know doing what you love doing most at least once a day, I'm probably going to keep you coming back. So we focus on the whole entrepreneurial side. We focus on um, some of Tony Wagner. I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Wagner, but he has a book called Creating Innovators. And what we try to do here is we try to create the future entrepreneurs and businessmen uh, and women of, uh, you know, of the next generation. And we, we don't call our classrooms classrooms. So it's the, the design studio, the wonder gallery in stage three. And uh, we have really unique designs with regards to some furniture where we can have little board meetings and pods and uh, lots of whiteboards where the kids can think. Uh, we do things. Um, we, last year, we had a, we have a, a, what's called a maker fair, and it's all tied to the curriculum and it, we, we tie in all the curricular outcomes. But basically, we have a three day open studio where we give our kids a problem to solve. And last year, the problem was how would you make life easier for someone in Haiti, for kids in Haiti? And at the end of three days, they have to create a working prototype. They can use anything at their disposal, including their mentors and their networks that they've created and, and come up with a working prototype. And uh, we had kids design water filtration systems. We had kids uh, create greenhouses. We had kids design footwear uh, that would be cheap and inexpensive for, for kids to, to, uh, to get in Haiti. And they had to defend it to, in kind of a dragon's den style to some engineers and stuff from the university at the end of those three days. And we thought that it would be chaos and the kids would be, you know, running all over, but they've never been more engaged and they're using their, their networks to kind of solve problems. And so it's, it's a real unique kind of environment. We do lots of hands-on stuff, lots of uh, experiential stuff because our kids haven't had experiences in a lot of areas. Um, we, you'd be surprised when visitors come in and they get hit up for business cards and our kids are always networking. They're creating their network along the way. So it's, uh, oh, it's quite something to watch. And it's awesome. Like Greg, like people, like these kids come up and I mean, and, and it seems to me, or maybe you mentioned this, um, to me, but you're trying to, you know, help kids create networks, but also you're trying to, you know, help kids interact with people that come in the classroom, like like anyone, like like you know, like yeah. like 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 not to revere you or not to be scared of you or not to be uh, indifferent to you, but to engage you as a as a, an adult coming in to a classroom or and to a yeah. learning environment. It was it's amazing. So just to, you know, when you're talking about some of these things these kids are doing, it would be helpful for people. And and again, I have this, pers- I have a, the you know the the benefit of this. Be helpful to. If you could, Curtis, just share, you know, when we hear these great innovations that kids are coming up with and how they're engaging their networks, but maybe a story or two about what these kids' life is like before they got into the school or even during, you know, what their family life is. Because that helps people understand the power of what you guys are doing. 
Yeah, we have, I mean, without getting into, into too much specific, uh, I mean, we have everything. I have kids uh, who live in foster care, kids coming out of foster care. I have, uh, I mean, we had, and, and we had four deaths in our school community last week. Not, not kids, but grandparents who are raising their kids, two grandparents and, uh, um, you know, another uh, uncle and, and stuff like that who lives with the families. Uh, so they deal with trauma quite a bit, um, but obviously poverty, they all live in poverty. They've all experienced trauma in some way, shape or form. But, you know, I have, I have, uh, you know, kids who've been abused. I have kids who've been, you know, um, you know, living with a lot, a lot, living with grandparents, a lot who have had siblings die or murdered. Uh, we've, you know, got kids with some, you know, social, you know, issues and and uh as a result of some of the things that they've experienced and uh it's i've got some that have come from real young families whose whose parents would have had them at you know 13 and things like that so i have all sorts of uh of of issues but the big thing is 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 they usually come from big families and nobody's usually graduated so you know we have one student who for example has nine students he's a second nine kids in the family he's the second youngest not one has graduated from high school so um, a lot of times our kids don't know any difference, right? We use kind of the the barn cat analogy in that if you're if you're a barn cat, you've been in the barn your entire life, you don't know that there's a different world out there. But if somebody brings you into the house for a couple of years and starts changing your habits and starts getting you to go into school and starts, you know, uh, getting you feeling better and getting you involved and exposing you to a variety of new experiences and new ideas, it's kind of tough to go back to the barn when you're done. And uh, And so we... We, we try to change the habits and, and, you know, a lot of times research will tell you that, you know, you're to, to solve, to break the cycle of poverty, the solution isn't to throw money at the parents. It's to change, to find the right age to intervene, intervene in the, in the life of the student and then to change the habits and that'll have the biggest impact. So it's, um, it's, it's, they come from every type of, you know, I, just when I think I've seen it all, <laughs> there's something that'll, that'll come up that'll uh that'll shock me and and I don't shock easy but it's uh there's always something that'll you know pop up in our students lives that'll um make me think otherwise and then in in contrast like uh what are some of these kids looking like when they come out like uh like Dave referenced these uber networker kids uh yeah. kids I mean, with a sense of purpose like literally like coming up and yeah. saying can I have your business card Dave and you Which know what I mean cool. oh, very cool yeah yeah so cool yeah. what's what's the profile of a, of a graduate well, it's, I don't have any, I, I have grade eight graduates or people that have, or, you know, been with us for three years, but I just have, because we just opened in 2011, I don't have high school graduates yet, which is kind of our focus. Uh, but, you know, we'll see, I have one young girl who came to us reading in grade six, mid grade one level, who uh, basically was told that, you know, she'll never be able, you know, never, she has issues, she has learning disabilities and she'll never be able to learn. She's uh, at high school right now after her first semester in high school has honor roll marks. Oh my so, gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I, you know, I have another student who, who has, uh, you know, wasn't going to school before he came to us, who is, uh, you know, was, you know, needed a, a little bit of help. And, and we got, you know, things like his orthotics. So we got, he had, he had really bad, you know, feet and stuff. And um, we got him playing, you know, then he could run a little bit. We got him playing Regina minor football. He lost a lot of weight. Um, he finished second in the city in shot put in grade seven, won the, the, the city championship in grade eight. Uh, he played, he's actually at school now at Notre Dame, who is at where Dave and I went to school. And, 
is, I think, fourth on the honor roll right now after the first semester and is just one offensive lineman of the year on the football team in grade nine. Good Lord. And so, you know, he's, you know, there's nobody in the family that, that has graduated. He's, he's got an older brother who was probably scheduled to graduate this year, but there's, you know, eight, nine kids in the family and nobody's graduated. And he's, uh, he's breaking the, breaking the cycle there. Well, I, 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 uh, I suppose his experience will be quite an inspiration to the other kids in his family as well. Uh, Absolutely. Now that, that begs the question, how can you get enrolled into, uh, into a school like this? There's, there's so much need, you know, and obviously you're only able to have the capacity to uh, have impact on a certain amount of lives. Uh, but the big question that we would have here in New Brunswick as well is this is an amazing idea. We need to support schools like this, but the 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 need is so much larger than the capacity. So like yeah yeah, yeah. How, how do you pick these kids? Well, we get we look for two things. We look for need and we look for motivation. So um we we start our admissions process in January and we don't accept our our next incoming grade 6 class until until the end of May, so the beginning of June. Uh, is when we'll have our our class selected. So we only we cap one of the things we do is we in order to deal with some of the the issues that we need to deal with and the the uh, the, the effective issues and, and the uh, social emotional issues and stuff and the learning issues that we have, we cap at 20. So we cap our, our class, class size at 20 uh, because we think it's, it comes down to relationships. How many kids can you form that deep relationship with? Uh, so uh, we do, unfortunately, at times turn, turn some students away, but we, it's, it's a process. So we usually meet with our families a minimum of three times and usually more. And the first time is it's, it's just a connection. It could be social services, you know, could put us in contact, could be a school, could be, you know, somebody could cold call and just walk in, could be a cousin recommends. And what we'll do is we usually meet with our families first and foremost offsite someplace because school to our families is sometimes a, an intimidating thing. So we'll do maybe a home visitor. We'll do, you know, Tim Hortons or wherever it is. And, and we'll meet and discuss the school quickly. Um, say, you know, about half an hour, here's what we do. Let us know if you're interested. We'd love to meet your son or daughter. We'll meet them again, someplace usually offsite. If all goes well, then we'll bring them in and we do a formal interview process uh, where we do an interview with a student, we do an interview with a parent, we do a reading assessment, a writing assessment that doesn't prevent anyone from coming, but it just lets us know what we're dealing with. But we'll also do an interest inventory and uh, find out what the kids love to do. And uh, then we we have three people usually on the interview uh, piece and we kind of uh, each score individually. And then, uh, you know, we look at it and we say, okay, are they age appropriate? Can we get them here? Uh, you know, are they settled and fairly stable? Because we're making possibly an 11 or 12 year commitment to our families. And we want to make sure that, you know, they're not leaving the city a couple months in. So we want to make sure that they're, they're here for a good period of time, or there's a good chance that they're going to be around. And all our families are a gamble, but we want to, you know, limit our risk a little bit. And then what we do is we also look at the families and all our families, we partner with the families. So it's a, it's a partnership and all our parents will sign and our families will sign a covenant that will say, this is what, you know, we'll do as a school. This is what you have to do. Help us get the kids to school, help us, you know, get them on the bus and make sure that they're ready to go to school each day and help them read, you know, get some reading time each night. And um, so there's different things like that. But um, once we vet all that and we look at it, we kind of try to find who, who could use the opportunity and who is who's who's ready for the opportunity because um, we're making a significant investment and we just want to make sure that that uh, our kids are around for some time. I can and I mean I can't even begin to imagine how important it is to um, 
to develop trust with the family. Because and I'm just imagining these, you know, like you said, not meeting that first time on on the school premise because who knows what some of the family would have experienced in school, right? That yeah, may not yeah. have been positive at all. So that that I find that part really remarkable, Curtis. Like the fact that you can build trust with families with a community. In in if we think of uh, the Aboriginal community. Um, in particular, that you know have a you know historically have uh, many have had horrible experience through residential schools, right? And so you're fighting against all that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm just like, so what, you know? And we're we're kind of running at the end here. But what 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 are how do you create that? Um, it's the first question. And then if, could it, could I get you to quickly reference you know how you use uh, you know the Gallup research to to um, educate kids? Yeah, sure. So we, you're right, Dave, trust is, is so important. And you're dealing with a demographic or a population that doesn't trust easy. And they've been, you know, had some difficulties in the past through residential schools, through other types of, of, of situations. So when we first started, and that's why I say that the trust is coming and we're building trust with our, with our community, you know, all the time. But um, I always say the biggest thing with me is, is, you know, when I was doing our first interviews uh, and I had the grandmothers who were residential school students at one time, and I'm saying, this is what I just, I was selling them on an idea. Like, here's what I think we're going to do. And, you know, and, and they were like very skeptical, right? And they're trusting their most precious, you know, precious thing to you. And so uh, I, with us, the grandmothers have been instrumental. And I always say it's kind of, you know, if you have that, you know, um, leader in the family and you have their trust, that's when you're kind of in. And I always say, you know, once you start getting invited to their baptisms, their funerals and their weddings, you're, you're, you're kind of in, but it didn't happen overnight. And the biggest thing is I had one of my grandmothers say, you know what? You've never lied to us. You never told us you could do something that you weren't going to do. And if you didn't think you could do it, you would tell us, but you never promised us something and didn't deliver. And they, and she said, that's very important to us is that, you know, just, just don't, don't lie to us and don't break our promises. But we call it the Mox and Telegraph, or our grandmothers call it the Mox and Telegraph, right? It's, it's once you get those grandmothers in the community that are very influential and people will listen to, then you get the respect of the, of the others in the community. And, and that's been huge. And it's been, you know, going on. The matriarchs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I always, I always like it. They're, they kind of, they're like the the uh, this maybe isn't a good a good analogy, but you know they're kind of like the Godfather. I was right? going like to say it, that it feels like <laughs> it feels like the Godfather reference coming up. It is, it is, and and once you have somebody to vouch for you, like this guy's a good guy, then other grandmothers and other mothers and fathers will trust you with their with their kids. Oh, and it's it's really neat to watch. And it's you know we I was unfortunately at a funeral on Friday out at uh, out at one of the reserves for one of our one of our original grandmothers. So one of the the, the wonderful grandmothers who's helped us along the way and, and been uh, her grandson was part of our first class. Um, you know, and as we were leaving, we had people come up from that reserve and that community coming up and asking about the school and saying, can I come talk to you about my son or daughter or whatever it is? So y- you start to see it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty good, but I think that that's part of the healing process too, right? There's lots of healing that has to go on. And, and I think they, they have to learn to trust again. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the work you're doing is, uh, is, uh, it's more than admirable. It's, uh, you're doing exactly what I was talking to Dave on my last podcast interview about is making sure that we, uh, live our careers in a way that it is, uh, of the utmost purpose and, uh, and positive impact. And, uh, just by nature and the DNA of what you're doing, that's what you're doing. So, uh, it, it's phenomenal. Listen, there's other people around, uh, who are listening to this as well, who, um, 
would want to create similar experiences, maybe not schools, but uh, diff- different sort of uh, impact experiences to make the community a better place. What, what would your best piece of advice be jumping into something incredibly challenging and incredibly scary and incredibly risky, uh, similar to what you, what you guys have proven that you've been able to do? What, what, what's the best piece of advice you could give to encourage someone to, to plow through it? Well, I'm, I've always been a big believer that um, in in change, like I, if you're doing the same thing that everybody else is out there doing, then you're probably not a forward thinker, and you know, and that's not going to be what everybody's going to be doing in 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 a couple of years. So I'm I'm a big believer that you can't have progress without change, and I know that the education system, for the most part, doesn't like to change, and we resist change, and you know, we we want to be a little bit. Of a, of a laboratory. We want to be a, a, a test, like a, almost like a pilot of, hey, these are some different things that we're trying. We want to stay current with all, you know, the, the literature and stuff that's out there, but we also can't be afraid. You know, we, we have an expression here at the school that F is the new A, right? And and there's things to be just in like in entrepreneurship, right? You, there's lessons to be learned in failure. And just because you, you didn't, you know, succeed in this one thing doesn't mean you failed. What have you learned from it? How do you, how do you get going? And so with, with us here, it's think outside the box a little bit. Like, how can you, you know, try something different? And if that doesn't work, what else can, you know, what else can you get onto? And how can you, can you try something different and, and just keep moving forward and, um, you know, have a vision, have a vision as to what, what you'd like it to be and, and surround yourself with, with good people. I find that this whole thing has taken, taken on a life of its own. It's like an energy of its own because, People are excited when they come in and they, they find a way to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. And it really, you know, it really kind of kind of gets them going. A lot of people want to help. You just need to help them figure out how they can help. And and it could be in time, talent, or treasure, right? It could be, you know, they could support you financially. They could volunteer. They could, you know, help coach a team or whatever it is. And, and a lot of people want to be involved. So, um, you know, good works are contagious. And if you truly believe and are passionate about what you're doing, it's contagious and it's going to bring bring other people in so amen that's I don't right. know if that answers your question it does and that's why you're on here so how do so for the <laughs> listeners that want to learn more where how can they find out more about uh about your school and you kurt well you can certainly um you know check us out we have obviously our uh website on the on the internet uh is is alive and we try to keep it up as as current as and what's the url as we possibly can uh it's um you're looking right now, aren't you? I can tell. So. Yeah, I, you know what? I do. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> www.mtmschoolregina.com. Okay. So, MTM is in Mother Teresa Middle. Uh, Dave, you wanted me to. I know we're out of time, but I you wanted me to talk about Gallup for a second. Yeah, just just really to, briefly, and, the, okay. and 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 just you know, as a, as a closing note, that'd be awesome because it's really it's yeah. really cool. And I think and for the listeners and for you, Greg, and for me, it's really the 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 way they're using this Gallup information is just very helpful for transfer of knowledge or learning any kind of new concept yeah. or idea within companies, let alone in schools. So yeah, why don't we why don't you yeah. close out with that, and then we'll uh, and we'll say goodbye. Sure. Um, so we use Gall- some research from Gallup in, in the States, like Gallup polls, and, and what they've found is that um, hope, engagement, and well-being is huge, not only in, in education, but in the business community and, and so forth. So what we try to focus on is to keep our kids hope-filled, engaged, and well. So we want to keep, you know, some of our kids have never uh, looked to the future. Like we want to, we don't have to have a goal. We set lots of goals here. We want to keep them hopeful. What do you want to be when you get older? You want to be an engineer? Okay. We're going to help you get there. It's not going to be easy, but you know, we're going to have ups and downs, but if you're ready to do the work, we're going to help you get there. 
So keep them looking forward and, and having that positive future, uh, you know, that that's going to kind of energize them and, and, and keep them coming each day. Uh, so we want to keep them hope-filled, engaged. So we, we do lots of engagement, like I said, through our strengths. Through, we do strength explorers with the kids where the kids can articulate their top three strengths and, and what are you good at and, and, uh, and it, what do you love to do. And so we have an after-school program. We also have a summer program that we run um, at the university. And, uh, you know, it's just, it keeps them engaged. It keeps them coming back because they love coming to school each day. So our kids aren't in school less. They're in school more or at school more and they love it. So, you know, we do, we do, all our kids are in the band program. You know, we do swimming lessons. We do, um, you know, a variety of, of, um, you know, we do the babysitting course. We do first aid CPR with the kids. We do different things that kind of give them a different, uh, take on school. But then after our after school programming is wide and varied, everything from robotics to cooking to, um, you know, wrestling to you name it. it. It's, it's part of our after school program. So we try to keep them engaged. And then, our other biggest piece is well, our well-being. So we want to keep them well, feeling well. So we we have a dentist we work with. So we provide all the dental care for the kids. We have an optometrist that that you know helps us purchase glasses for the kids. So uh, I know you can see. I know your teeth are good. Uh, we also have a hearing uh, assessment done, and we we know you can hear. And so um, you're healthy. You're at school. You're you're fed. You're you know. I want to eliminate as many barriers as I can to education before I try to start to teach you. So we we do a survey three or four times a year um, with the kids where we you know try to focus on their hope, engagement, well-being. And Gallup's created this matrix to say these are the biggest indicators of hope, engagement, and well-being of kids in school over their years of research and data collection. And so it, it, it lets us know where we're at, but we also know that if I can get them to a high score by the time they're ready to leave grade eight, the chances of them being successful in high school increases. So I want them being scoring really high in hope, engagement, and well-being by the time they're leaving um, by the time they're leaving grade eight and going on to, to grade nine. So it's been great for us. It, it allows us to collect data. It allows us to do, we do a, a bunch of other things with, you know, perception checks with the kids and things like that. But, uh, but that's been a big piece of, of moving us forward and, and letting us check in with the kids and how they're doing. Buddy, you're making such a difference in the world. It's really cool <laughs> to hear. And, and we, you know, we try very hard to keep our interviews to 30 and I feel bad we're cutting it off. At I want to keep talking. 34 <laughs> minutes right now. <laughs> Um, but I, I really, I know people will, will check out the school because I honestly believe, you know, and there's a big New Brunswick focus of this, um, or Maritime, Atlantic Canadian focus of this podcast, but it's so neat to bring someone from oh, a different 100%. part of the country and also think of how that could, could you know, what, you know, the concept that, that Curtis is living and breathing and, and very comfortable and very happy to talk about, as you can tell, oh, right? Yeah, if totally. people would, should, should engage him, that, you know, we could be doing this anywhere, right? Well, yeah, uh, Curtis, I just wanted to share with you um, a project that we worked on last year. I, I own a film production company. Uh, it was called yeah. Code Kids, C-O-D-E yeah. Kids dot C-A. Yeah. Check it yeah. out. It's a CBC documentary. Uh, we went to Estonia and Finland to, to really discover the models of education that they're doing there, using robotics and coding and, and yeah. you know, really we this whole STEAM yeah. uh, approach and how we can roll that out back here uh, at home in New Brunswick. Really sounds like you guys are uh, are well ahead of us in that, and and we're catching up. So uh, we'll have further conversations with you about that. But check check out that website and watch the film. Love to hear your uh, your thoughts on it. All right. Well, and listen, I know you got to go back to uh, creating board packages, which you'd much rather do than be talking to us. Um, but anyways, really appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Um, so cool oh, to hear what you're doing. Very inspiring stuff. 
And uh, I look, well, I'll, you and I will be catching up soon, but uh, thanks so much. We're going to, Greg and I are going to do some quick takeaways, and uh, I'll, we'll be in touch. We'll certainly let you know when the podcast is out. Awesome. Love the podcast. I've been listening to them. So you guys are doing good work, so keep it up. Thanks, Bye, Curtis. Take care, man. Okay, guys. Thanks. See you, Kurt. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, so, so, you know, the, the way this came up was I toured the school, and I was like, completely I couldn't believe how uh, how I was struck emotionally by this just by these positive kids and knowing a little bit about the backstory and probably just could see you know they they you know they were how does he call it um, not from tough realities but this this you know marginalized yeah, communities right. <clears throat> and and you're just so impressed and then you see this this community of teachers that are so um, Engaged. Uh, engaged and passionate about what they do. And, I mean, this is like a calling for these guys. And uh, anyways, and it's not a religious school, by the way. That's the other thing you should, should, we should note. Okay? Which is really interesting because of the name. But, but it's inspired by one of the most inspiring women right. uh, you know, of the last century. And you know? isn't she speaking to the matriarchs of, that, of the uh, First Nations community? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. in some way. So um, takeaway is, and, and, you know, and then what we didn't get into was, was um, and I and I, if we had more time, I would have loved to. But you know, what was the experience like for him as launching this, and and the doubt and everything you go through, and to see what it is now, and this is it's still young, but I mean, um, you know, they had started with the first class, yeah. and now they're you know whatever four years into it. And the, I and love these the, these type of stories. Uh, and, the you, I, them. I, and I honestly, when I was going through there, I was thinking, I was imagining you being there with a the camera or your crew being there because it is un, I'm talking blow your socks off kind of stuff. So what was your takeaway? Um, uh, well, going right back to that matriarch uh, thing, getting the trust of a few influencers uh, is so critical in trying to make change. Yeah. And uh, we can even think about that in business and marketing. Um, you know, if we have a product, let, let, let's say it's uh, executive coaching. Uh, when I first met you, I didn't know what executive coaching was. Uh, it didn't take long, though, for that to become uh, a regular word in our in our daily business talk. Oh, I've got an executive coach. But we needed a few influencers to start using that word and experiencing executive coaching mm -hmm. and then start talking about it. So that's, that's the way I see uh, the success of his program with the grandmothers. And, you know, if you look at it in any direction, it is the grandmothers who have uh, uh, kept the families together in so many of our uh, communities across, across the country. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of uh, the marginalized communities, the grandmothers are, are ahead of the household and they, they're revered with much respect. Uh, and what a what a neat uh, experience that must have been, you know, for, and f what what a joyous occasion once he was able to earn their trust, you know, because think about all the mess of of history that had to uh, that he had to work against to to gain that trust. Uh, but the proof's in the pudding. They're seeing these kids come out and do amazing things, and he's making real, uh, incredible uh, local impact. And the global impact is he's helping create that school's helping create global citizens, which is really. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and so I'm, I'm hoping people check it out. Amazing stuff. We weren't even close to 30 minutes. No, we tried. <laughs> and just so the listener knows, what we've been trying to do for the last three weeks is cut our podcast down to a little bit under 30 minutes because we want to syndicate our uh, podcast on campus radio stations uh, for a 30-minute slot. Um, we haven't been successful because these people are so interesting to talk know, to. So we may and it has to, nothing, we to nothing to do with us. You know, rambling or anything. We are ramblers. <laughs> Ramble on, Rose. Oh, so what is so Matt? Should what should what should be? Uh... Come on, I do one more Grateful Dead, and I promise I won't do any more. 
Oh, Ramblin' Rose. There from we Grateful go. Dead. You gotta start uh, flipping the table on me soon and start. Uh, you know, Put me on the on the spot for hockey references again. That, okay, that, no, no, because then you'll throw me under the bus with uh, my, my Grateful Dead uh, knowledge. Well, did you know that this is the the fiftieth year of the Grateful Dead? Is this yes, year? Yes, and I saw you looking for tickets. I'm looking for or tickets, to get tickets to the Chicago I, I show for the yeah. very last show the Dead is ever going to play. Well, you know what? I think if we go back to Michael Lose's, um podcast you just need Episode to think two. positive man i'll think positive man <laughs> abundantly and they will show up and, and you'll see me in a tie-dye you know i imagine it'll happen man. so um so well we're off to the next one thanks to curtis kleisinger and curtis. mother Teresa middle school and mother Teresa. yes amen see you later thanks for checking out this episode of boiling point Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.
Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.